Good morning, everybody. I'm so pleased to see you. I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving and that um, you've had just a really nice holiday season. It's begun already. I really can't believe it's here. I don't know if there's just like some sort of disbelief that comes over me every time this year, and it happens the same time every year, yet every year I'm shocked by it. So, um, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I do hope that you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. And I just want to say thank you for letting me talk with you. I love these moments. I consider it an honor. It's not something that I take lightly when I get to come up here. Thank you, Pastor John, for letting me. He lets me talk to you guys often, multiple times per year. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that you keep coming back, that you listen. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I get the unique Sunday where I get to talk with you, like we know, we're all coming out of Thanksgiving and we're transitioning into December, yet we're not quite there. It's after Thanksgiving, yet it's still November. It's not quite Christmas, yet we're headed there. It's a very odd Sunday. And um, I, as I was kind of praying and talking to the Lord, I was asking him, what is it that you want to do with this interesting transitional type of Sunday? And what I felt him speak to my heart is that he wants us to just worship him. What's really easy to do is to passively fly between Thanksgiving and Christmas without a thought, without a care. If, you're, if you've been to any store since August, the Christmas decorations have been up. So we are conditioned to just flow in and out of the holidays without really pausing to give thought to Jesus and just to just behold him. I feel like what he spoke to me my responsibility, all my responsibility is this morning is just to be like a worship usher. I want to just usher you into a place of worship to just behold him, to just look into his eyes, to take a holy pause on this interesting transitional Sunday. We're not quite Thanksgiving anymore, and we're not yet quite Christmas. We're right here in the middle. I want there to be a little bit of a holy pause where we just look into the eyes and the face of Jesus, and we just worship him. I don't want that. I mean, I do. God wants that. I feel like that's what he wants. Because again, we can get so overwhelmed by the red and the green and the purple and the Grinches and the Santas and the elves that we fly all the way past and we forget to even look at Jesus. And he's the reason for the season. So on this Sunday, before we even get into anything having to do with Christmas, notice our Christmas decorations are not up yet. Shameless plug for Miss Marianne. We're going to do it after this. Do it with us, please. But we're going to pause in the in-between, and we're just going to behold Jesus. So I kind of want to have you do something. We're going to pray. But I, I want you to just look within your heart and ask the Lord, is there anything that you, he would have you to give him? Is there anything that he would have you to lay at his feet? And I don't necessarily mean monetary, but if he lays that on your heart, hallelujah. But is there, is there a section of your heart that perhaps you've been holding back from him? Is there an area of your life that he's been wanting to touch, a door that he's been knocking on that you have refused to open? Maybe he wants more time from you. Maybe he wants more attention. Ask him, Jesus, what is it that you would have me to bring to you this morning? And what we're going to have later today is a little bit of an extended time of worship at the end. So prepare your heart for that. And we're just going to lay those things. Whatever he speaks to you, would you be willing to give it to him this morning? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. You have been good. 
you have been faithful. Even as we sang, you've never failed. You're faithful through generations, generations past and generations yet to come. You're faithful. You're holy. You're righteous, and you are so worthy. We love you, Lord. We pause on this Sunday just to look into your eyes, eyes that burn like fire, to hear the voice that rumbles like many waters. We pause. May we be sucked up in your glory, utterly captivated by you. Come and reveal Jesus to us. Holy Spirit, feed us with the bread from heaven. Reveal Jesus. Jesus, be exalted this morning. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So if you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 9, I'll join you there in a moment. The other day, I was walking through Hobby Lobby, and um, I was just kind of looking at the Christmas decorations. I don't need anything. I just want that to be real clear. We are Christmas out at my house. I don't need one thing, but I love to look at the things because if you've ever been to Hobby Lobby, they start their little 50% off Christmas in like July. So um, I love to go see what they have. They have gajillions of nutcrackers, some of them as big as me, which, you know, I'm not that tall, but that's a monstrosity in a nutcracker. Like no nutcracker needs to be five, three and a half. So uh, anyway, they have all kinds of stuff and I'm just kind of like shopping through, you know, I found some little Grinchy things. I love the Grinch. He is a stark contrast to my personality, (laughs) but I love him. I don't know what it is. He's so mean and cranky. Um, I don't know. That's that's odd to say now that I hear it. But um, I always laughingly say I probably could befriend, like, a serial killer. I love people. There's just, I don't really meet people that I don't like. But, you know, there's always a reason why somebody's a little cranky. So, anyway, I love the Grinch. And I'm, like, spazzing out over the Grinch things. There's, like, um, mats and cups and, and, and bookends and stuff. So I got some Grinch stuff in my house now. And I'm going through all these things, you know. And I'm not really geeking out or anything. I'm just kind of passively going through the aisles. And I come upon a sign. And it's a small little sign. It's in the middle, kind of tucked away. It, I mean, maybe this big, you know. And it said, for, us, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And I am not kidding. My heart began to burn in that moment. And I could have just stopped on the aisle and wept. Because in the middle of being overwhelmed by the Grinch, and the colors, and the Santas, and the candy canes, and the elves, there is a small little sign that spoke of the real reason for Christmas. And I wasn't, again, it wasn't, I was just kind of passively going into the Christmas season, going, okay, this is cute, whatever. But in that moment, my heart was set on fire, and I began to be utterly elated at the thought that we are about to enter into the season where we celebrate the birth of our Savior. That small little sign, it now hangs in my house, in the living room. I had to, absolutely. But what I saw in that moment was the meekness and the humility of Jesus. That in a season that's all about him, he's actually not very in your face at all. Everything else is. The songs that we play on repeat, the colors that we wear, the festivities. I don't know about y'all, my calendar is full for like the next four weeks. I have not had this much social engagement probably since high school. Everything else is very in your face, and he's not, and he never has been. He's that meek, but it's all about him. And so what I feel like he really wants us to do is to press into, his, press into his story and see what happened on that day. What are we actually celebrating? What actually is the hope of Christmas? Why does it actually matter? What is the point of joy to the world? 
We're going to talk about that this morning, but we're going to be looking at it from three different angles. I want to look at the time in which the prophecy of Isaiah 9 was given and talk about how they would have seen that and what that meant for them. And then I want to fast forward to our time and how we should look at that. And then I want to meet in the middle. And I want all of us to gather around the manger together with the shepherds, with the angels, with the magi, the three wise men. And I want us to worship our king. So we're going to start. We're in Isaiah chapter 9. And this is Isaiah talking. He's a prophet during Old Testament times. It says in verse 3, but there will be no gloom for her. I'm sorry, verse 1. Y'all, there's a 3 because there's something in Hebrew it wants me to know. Apologies. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. I want to pause for a moment because that was a lot of words. And I want to talk to you about what's actually going on. So what's happening at this point in Israel's history, this is around, scholars are actually not really sure the exact date, 720 B.C., 732, somewhere in the 700 B.C. They can agree on that, okay? B.C., before the birth of Christ. So what's happening in Israel's time is it actually is a time of deep darkness for them. They are under threat of the Assyrian kingdom invading and conquering them. And if you know anything at all about the Assyrians, they were heinous. They were brutal. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, any terrorist group that you can name has nothing on the Assyrians, absolutely nothing. They pale in comparison to what the Assyrians used to do. So what's happening here is Israel's ally, Damascus, has just been conquered by the Assyrian army. And let me talk to you. I'm going to be a little bit graphic here for just a moment so that you can understand what Israel was facing. Not only would the Assyrians, with all of their might and all of their strength, come in and conquer, that would be bad enough. But they were very skilled in the art of torture. So they would skin their victims, and they would display the skins upon the pillars of buildings, and overlaid across the bodies that had fallen and been slain in battle. They would gouge out their eyes. They would decapitate them and place their heads on spikes. There are children in the room, so I'm going to be a little bit more PG. But the male anatomy, they would cut that off. They would cut it open, rip out the insides, and they would display just for the fun of it so that all who heard of it would cower before them. So not only were they able to conquer, but they also played mind games in a heavy way, and it wasn't just a game, because they would do it. This is what Israel is facing. The Assyrians are coming. Their ally has already fallen. It is a time of deep darkness. So I want you to just consider where their mental psyche would have laid in that moment. Let us all take a trip three years back to COVID-19. I want you to remember the panic that was in the air, the anxiety, the stress, the, fr the fighting that happened at the mention of the words 
COVID-19. Heaven forbid that you not wear a mask. I mean, here's, can I say something? I am not here to preach about masks or vaccines. I don't, I'm not, that's not, please don't go there in your mind. I don't understand why the church is still fighting about this. That's not what we're doing today. But I want you to remember the panic, okay? D- the fighting that happened at the mention of something that we could not see with our physical eyes. All we saw were its effects. We saw that people were dying. So the word enough was enough to cause panic. This was something Israel could see with their physical eyes. They could actually see the severed skins, the severed heads on spikes. They could see the bodies strewn throughout the fields, the eyes rolling around on the ground. Do you think they were panicked? Do you think there was angst? Absolutely. It was a time of deep darkness. And then here comes Isaiah in the middle of this darkness. And he declares and prophesies by the voice of God, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Wow. Wow. What good news. Some scholars call Isaiah the fifth gospel because this is the good news. The good news is being preached even way back then. Jesus is not coming the next year. And I kind of, spoiler alert, Israel did get overtaken by the Assyrians. That The thing that they did fear did indeed come upon them. And into this Isaiah spoke. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This is the good news. This is the promise of the birth of a Savior. This was the word to which Israel anchored themselves in the midst of darkness, in the midst of war, chaos, uncertainty, disruption. They had the good news preached of a son being given, of a child being born. Let's come present day. We live on this side of Jesus' birth. They lived before he came some hundreds of years Now we're going to come over here. We now live some thousands of years since he has both come, died, risen again, and ascended to heaven. And so what do do we do with this? Sometimes we just so passively go, oh, yeah, 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 baby Jesus. People say that, and we just, you know, we love the cute little nativity scenes, but we don't pause. What does it mean for to us a child is born, to us a son is given? I want you to think about where we are in the world right now. We live in America. I'm so grateful We have a wonderful country. It's not perfect. But we give thanks in all things to the Lord. I dare not complain. I hope hope that you don't fall into the trap of cursing our nation. Just try to stay away from that. There's a lot of that. If you're at all on social media, there's a whole lot of that. We want the blessing of the Lord on our nation. We don't have the threat, the immediate impending threat of someone coming and invading us like they did. However, we know there are wars and rumors of wars throughout the earth like Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 4. We know that there is great poverty and great suffering. Some of us went to Honduras this summer and got to see it firsthand. 
We know the pain of loss, of anguish. We know what it is to feel lonely. We know what it is, some of us, to feel abandoned. We know pain. We know sorrow. We know that this earth is not perfect. So what does that mean? What is the good news of for us, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given? What, how should we look at that? What we now know that they did not know, they got a glimpse of it in the spoken living word of God. We know what Jesus can do. We saw him. We weren't there, but we have now the complete counsel of his whole word. So we know the miracles he worked. We know that he's able to heal. We know that all authority and all power truly does rest in his hand because he resurrected three days later. We understand what salvation is because he died. He took upon him our sins and paid the price for you and for me. We know that. We understand the joy. That's what we get to see. And yet, just like them, we don't know fully. Corinthians talks about we know in part. We prophesy in part. Scripture says that not all of the works that Jesus did were written. That if they were the author says, I suppose that not all the books in all the world could, could contain them. So we know in part. And that which we know is amazing and so worthy of being praised. But we get to look and go, oh my goodness, we understand in part the good news of great joy of the birth of our Savior. And yet, just like them, we still have problems. What's the answer? What are his names? Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, what we know that they did not yet know, though it was spoken, is he's been given the name above every other name. And so these names rise above every other name. Are you confused today? There's a wonderful counselor. Do you not know which way to turn? Do you not know what to do? There is a wonderful counselor who is available to you. Do you need strength? Are you weary? Do you need him to work a miracle on your behalf? He's the mighty God. He is so able. There is nothing that is impossible with God. Do you need fathering? Do you need fathering? Some of us in the room know what it's like to have disappointment in a father. I'll share with you, I am not, uh, I'm the product of marriage, but my parents were divorced. My father's gone on to be with the Lord. I miss him every day. Love him so much. But if he were here, I'm not telling you anything he wouldn't tell you. In the early years of the divorce, he wasn't acting right. He just was not. He got us together. We love repentance. My parents were best friends before my dad went on to be with the Lord. I'm so grateful. But I know what it is to be disappointed in my father. He is the everlasting father. He is the one who is the father to the fatherless. There are people who don't know their fathers in this room. I'm so sorry for the pain you may have gone through, or maybe you do. Sometimes the pain is, is a little worse. You got Your father's here, and, and maybe he's just not that great. He's the everlasting father. And so some of you are confused right now. How can Jesus be the father and the son? Scripture says he is the image of the invisible God. When he was here, Philip said, oh, show us the Father and we'll be happy. And Jesus said, how have I walked among you all this time and you do not know me? Do you not believe that I and the Father are one? He is the expression of our invisible God. So he fathers, he shepherds, he provides, he nurtures, he encourages. He's the everlasting Father. Do you need peace? He's the Prince of Peace. He is here to give you peace. He is here to bring peace to the earth. There is not eternal peace yet, but it's coming. 
the government will indeed rest on his shoulders. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there truly will be no end. We do get to rejoice in the, that which is yet to come. But in the here and now, his name is active. His name is not an idle name. You look at Numbers chapter 6, the priestly blessing. The scripture says, when you, the Lord bless you and keep you, etc., etc. At the end of that, it says, in this way, you shall put my name on them, and I will bless them. His is a living name. Wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. That's how we get to look at the birth of our Savior. So now I want to meet in the middle. I want to meet in the middle with the original ones. If you want to, feel free to turn over to Luke chapter 2. It's on the back screen, no pressure there. You can simply just look at it and listen to me. I want to meet in the middle together with Mary and with Joseph and with the angels and with the shepherds and with the magi. And I want everyone to just look at the baby lying in the manger. Close your eyes if you have to. Look at him considering Israel and times past when the prophecy was given, considering times now and the time which is yet to come, would you now come to the middle, to the time, this beautiful culminating time where the child was born, where the son was given, and the only proper expression in this moment, there can be no other, is to worship. There is no other expression. Let's read it together. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2. In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I want you to consider the beauty of this moment. It's a time of celebration when any child is born, certainly. But this was not a child like any other child. This was God in human flesh. And I want you to consider the goodness of our God, that not only would he come to the earth and live as a man to identify with you and with me, ultimately to take our place, but that he would be born. What humility to be born. If I'm God and I'm not, I'm coming as a grown woman, already smart, 16, 22 degrees, uh, you know, like a 401k, a couple of houses, 
hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, I'm coming together, okay? And he's God. He walks on streets of gold. He could have. He came as an infant. He was born. The humility of being in gestation for nine months. The humility of being an, a helpless newborn. Anybody ever looked at a newborn? If you do not care for them, they are going to die. They cannot feed themselves. They cannot do anything for themselves. The meekness of our God that not only would he come to be a man, but that he would be born. And in such humble circumstances, in a manger with animals, ew. Anyone who has heard me speak before, y'all know I am not an outdoorsy kind of girl. I like like three animals from afar. Ew. And, and the baby was there, you know, like one day I'm going to get married and I'm going to have babies and I promise my babies are not going to be near cows and such. Ew, they're just not. <laughs> Pastor John's like, nah, I have cows. Um, not next to your baby. So anyway, I'm just, it's not happening. But that's where he was born. Such humble, disgusting circumstances. That's how he came. Matthew's account, I encourage you to read the Gospels, by the way. Spend some time in the Word of God. Definitely spend some time this Christmas and read the account of his birth over and over. Just let him speak new things to you. Um, Matthew's account talks about the three wise men who come and they follow the star until it lands above where he is, where Jesus is. And they say, we've come to worship him. And they come with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh for a baby. They got it. They understood something that we miss sometimes. This was no ordinary child. This is the Savior. And so I want you to see, we're going to join them at the manger and worship in just a moment. Matter of fact, the worship team, y'all can go ahead and come back up and get settled. Um, we're going to join them in worship at the manger. I just really want you to just look at this time and hear the words of God as if spoken directly to you. For to you is born a child, to you is a son given. You can move it if you need to, Lisa, that's fine. To you a son is given, to you, for your weakness, to you a child is born. For your distresses, to you a son is given. For the death of the world for, and, the, and, the, and the aches and the pains that we go through, to you a child is born. For the difficulties of life, to us a son is given. Jesus said, it is impossible that you will not have trouble in this world, but take heart because I've overcome it. He was given to you. The child was given to you. There may be someone in this room who doesn't, who, who knows the pain of, of childlessness. No, you don't. To you, a child is born. To you, a son is given. He is for you. He was born for you. That is the answer to all of life's questions. The culmination and the end of all of our existence is this child. So we gather around the manger. The Bible says he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the end of all things. He is the culmination. This point in which he is born in the manger is it. Is it. It's the moment. This is everything. This is what we celebrate. This is the good news of great joy. This is the joy of the world. There is no other joy. What hope do we have had he not been born? None. None. What light is there in the world? None. Absolutely none. But he was born. And then he came. And he lived and he died. He ascended. He established his church. He sent his spirit to live in, in you and me. And now who's the light, on the world, uh, light of the world? We are. The light shines on in the darkness, John chapter 1 says, and the darkness has never overpowered it. And guess what, guys? It never will. 
It's going to get darker. We know that. The Bible tells us, and we should not be surprised, but we are. There's going to be inventions of new forms of evil the Bible talks about. It's going to get darker and darker and darker and darker and darker and darker, but the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has never overpowered it. That is the good news, and it all started in a manger. Stand with me. I want everyone to kind of just like hold out your arms like this. This is not for me. This is for you. As if somebody was going to come and hand you a baby. And I want you to receive this word, maybe in a new way than you ever have before. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. God wants to give you again the gift of his son. He wants you to realize what you have, to feel his presence, to look into his eyes and see the light of the world, the hope for all nations, the king of all kings. Receive again the son. Receive again what he's done. And would you just be willing to just fall on your knees and worship him? I asked you at the beginning to ponder in your heart and ask the Lord, is there anything that he would have you to give him? I'm going to ask you as you come to the manger and you, and you look at the baby and you have your hands and you receive the son, would you lay it at his feet this morning? And would you receive this good news of great joy, which has the power to save your souls. Before we worship, I just want to give an invitation. Maybe you're here. Everyone can close their eyes. Maybe you're here and you do not know this Jesus, but you want to. You know he's called you today. You know he's been calling your name. You believe the love that he has for you. You believe that he came and that he died so that you would not have to, so that you could live with him forever. If you would like to accept him, and live in his joy, and live in his peace, and be with him forever, would you just raise your hand very softly, just so I know who's praying with, who I'm praying with. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you so much. God sees. He's drawing you. He loves you. His pleasure is on you. I'm going to have everyone just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, Jesus, we love you. you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for for living. Thank you for for dying. Right now, I receive your sacrifice. I receive your gift. I repent of my sins. I lay them down so that I can live for you. I believe in the death you died. And I believe in the resurrection. I accept all of it. I ask you to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And let me be yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen.
today through the written word, through the spoken word. We receive the gift of yourself that you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you leave today, may you, what a great way to start our Christmas season. We're going to have a great grasp on what we're celebrating. Jesus truly is the reason for the season. You don't want to miss the days ahead. We are celebrating Christmas in many different ways. And so the Sundays ahead, we want you to be here and be a part of what's going on. Ladies, don't miss our Christmas event. It's truly an amazing time that we gather. You'll hear two specific, specific, uh, purposefully chosen stories that you're going to hear. There are people that you attend church with, ladies and gentlemen, that you don't know their stories. You don't know that there's two women that were saved out of Islam right here in our church. There are people that were have had amazing miracles. The Lord has walked them through things in their life, and this is one of those opportunities at our Christmas brunch when we get to share a little bit of that. So you'll hear, hear two amazing stories. Sign up at the back today at the connection table. If you're a first-time guest today, we hope you will join us through this season and let the Lord uh, do a special work in your heart and connect you to our church family. We'd love that to be us. Also, as you leave today, consider how you might give a special gift this Christmas season. Our church gives a special benevolence offering. We actually uh, sponsor families during the Christmas season. So would you prayerfully think about, you might not be prepared today, but you have a couple of Sundays to pray about and talk with your spouse. If you're single, you and the Lord have a powwow about what you should give this Christmas season to be a blessing to others. We are among the wealthiest of the earth. Did you know? Know that because you're in the United States, our homeless are wealthy. Um, those of you that went to Honduras recently, you recognize that our homeless here are wealthier than most of our third world country folks. And so we have a, a, a great group of people that we're supporting through our missions giving. Make sure that you ask the Lord what He would have you give. 
this Christmas season above and beyond your regular tithe and offering. Thank you so much for coming today. I want to bless you as you go. Lord, I bless our church family. Thank you, Lord. May your favor shine upon them. Give them peace. I pray for healing and health through this Christmas season for everyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself in new and special ways to us. For those of us that have known you for years, for those that are new to the faith, I pray that we would just see you in a new light this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. Oh, if you're on the decorating crew, stay behind afterward. <laughs>